happy to be up here before you and share something I believe the Lord has for us. I'm going to try to remember to keep the microphone in front of my mouth. I tend to turn my head. Yep, yep, keep it steady. All right, our text for today, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, and you might recognize that as the David and Goliath chapter, basically. But let's, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer to begin. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that you, you speak the words. The words you once said are what is spoken. Lord, this is, this is all about you, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to start in, uh, I'm going to read 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start in 8 for, for today's passage. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So you've probably, uh, if, you've, if you've grown up in church, and you've heard many messages on David and Goliath. And there are many wonderful messages to be pulled from this passage. Uh, I want to introduce something maybe a little bit different, a little bit different angle. This is, this is one of those stories you can, you're like, oh, we, we all know David and Goliath. And then you're reading, like, I don't remember that being in there. Like, I don't remember that, that detail or, or that, uh, that uh, perspective on it. The children of Israel were terrified. They were dismayed. They were being oppressed by this guy named Goliath. And... I'm going to to submit to you today that this story of David and Goliath may very well be a guide for us on how can we help other people. I'll explain. I'll I'll elaborate on that, of course. So, start off with though, we need to talk about who is who's Goliath and who's David. We need to know who these characters are if we're going to understand this. So, you have a shepherd named David. And he is the eighth son of Jesse. He has seven older brothers. I'm sure that was fun growing up. Uh, and he has he has kind of a low standing in his family because his his father, chapter before this, the prophet Samuel is told by God, "Hey, you're going to go and you're going to anoint one of the sons of Jesse." So Samuel reaches out to Jesse, and says, "Hey, bring your sons." And Jesse doesn't even bring David. He doesn't even count him as a son. He's his eighth, his eighth son. Uh, there's also indication, perhaps in Psalms, that he, he, he mentions that he was born in sin, and he was perhaps conceived in sin. He may have been an illegitimate child. Uh, he's out tending the sheep. He's out tending, he's a, he's a shepherd. That's a, that's a pretty low position, consider, but a low occupation. That's typically servant's work. So you t- typically a, a big family or something would hire that out to somebody else. Say, yeah, we'll, we'll hire somebody to... Take care of the sheep. To send, have a, your son out there, not even count him as a son. Like, oh, I'll, I'll bring my other seven. I don't even count this one. So even though David may very well have been in a, a relatively prominent family, he, he wasn't treated very prominently. Then you have Goliath. This guy, this guy has got quite a reputation. He is the champion of the Philistines. He is physically massive. 
He's been a warrior since he was a boy, since he was a child. The uh, Bible describes him as uh, six, six cubits in a span. Traditionally interpreted 18-inch cubics, 9-inch span. Puts him at 9 foot 9, almost 10 feet tall. Massive. There's, there's some debates and other interpretations of what the cubic span means. Any of the sources you look at, he, he's a giant guy. He's huge. Whatever, whatever the exact number is, he's really big. We are also told he's wearing, he's wearing this armor. He's wearing this arm, his, his chest plate, which back then would have been kind of like a leather vest with metal sewn onto it in layers. So bronze metal sewed over top of it. 125 pounds that he's just, just that he's wearing on, over his chest. Uh, an average guy, that would be exhausting to try to carry that much weight into battle in just one piece of your armor. It's not even his weapons or anything. This guy's so massive, that's, that's, just, nor- that's just what he wears to, to, for his armor. He's got a spear with a head on it, 15-pound head on the end of his spear. And if you've ever, uh, if you've ever tried to lift a weight where there's like a, at the end of a stick or at the end of a, uh, even a barbell or something have a weight on the end, try lifting 15 pounds if it's, uh, if it's several feet away from you. That is difficult. And this guy wields his one-handed spear. Is, that's just normal for him. The shaft of his, his shaft of his spear is described as a weaver's beam. Now, we don't do a lot of weaving, so that, that's, for a lot of us, that's probably, still not used to this microphone, for a lot of us, that's probably like, okay, what is a weaver's beam? Like, we have no idea. It's, it's the thing that basically holds a loom together. When you're, you're going to weave all of this wool and you have all this tension on it, and this thing, it looks like a fence post. Uh, across here, and this this is that's something this guy grabs with his hand. That's that's the shaft of his spear, and his hand fits around him. And this guy's this guy's huge, and he's well trained, and he's well experienced, and he's got this reputation of being uh, not only the Philistines' champion, but there's more to this. There's a belief because he comes out here and says, "You send me a guy, and we'll fight it out, and this, that's going to decide the battle." We've got two armies with thousands of people. Why are we going to decide this battle just between two people? That seems a little seems a little strange. I've I've seen documentaries where uh, historians saying, "Well, we we don't we don't really understand that." If you understand a little bit, and then other sources point out, if you understand their culture, they thought their champion was empowered by their gods. This guy represented their gods. He represented their very best. And if our best overcomes your best, then we're going to rule you. We're going to, we're, this is a contest between deities, not just between people. What Goliath is laying out here is, you send out your, you send out your best representative, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what's what. We'll see, yeah, we'll see uh, if your God, who empowers your champion, can deal with me and my gods who empower, my, who empower me. The, what's interesting, the Philistines pick this, this very physically formidable guy. And you know, we would tend to think, well, he's, ch- he, and he's challenging. When he, anytime he's defying Israel, he's defying God. He's true, he really is. He's challenging God. Well, in our minds, we think, well, God should bring up an even bigger giant. And that, that'll show him. And God doesn't work that way. God chooses this son who's treated like a servant. He, treats, he chooses a shepherd who's also a worshiper, to come. And, and that, he's like, yeah, that, that's going to be my representative. I'm going to take this shepherd boy. 
use him as he's, he's going to be my champion because he has a heart for me. So I find the timing of this message, I believe, I believe is significant. Uh, Todd last week gave a wonderful, from Micaiah Ministries, gave a wonderful message. And he used an analogy of who's your Becky? And it came from a friend of his who had had someone named Becky they were ministering to. And it became, a, some, it became something the whole church could latch onto and say, who's that person in your life that you want to minister to? We also have an upcoming outreach uh, next week. I really believe that this is really a story of helping to deliver somebody else. We tend to treat David and Goliath as Goliath was a giant in David's life that he needed to overcome. There, there are many good things you could draw from that, but I would, I would suggest Goliath wasn't really a giant in David's life. Goliath didn't even know who David was. Goliath was challenging the... David wasn't terrified by Goliath. David wasn't oppressed by Goliath. David had already had the victories in his personal life, which I want to expand on a little bit. What was... Who, who was terrified by Goliath? Who was being oppressed by Goliath? Israel. People of God. They were afraid of this very imposing... Uh, perhaps even some demonic backing behind him. This, this they have such fear of him, they actually run from him when he comes out. You know, like, well, you're an army of guys. Were you running from one guy? Yeah, he was really scary. There was, a, there was almost a spirit of fear over them. But they're like, well, we can't do anything. We can't even go up against this guy. So David, though, he, David comes in, and how can we, and the whole, whole thing that I want to... Uh, Explore this morning. I, I, I'm going to use the word explore, expound upon, is how can we become that guy, David, that guy who's able to come on the scene and help deliver somebody else who's under fear and oppression and who's, who's being held back by the enemy, can't advance, can't move forward. How can we be the person to help, that God can work through us to help them? To start off with that, I want to look at... So David shows up on the scene in chapter 17. And at this point, a little more understanding about what's going on in David's life at this point. He's been a shepherd, but just before this, he's anointed by Saul, uh, by Samuel as the next king to replace Saul. Which that's that's got to be very interesting for this young, this is described as a teenage boy. That's, that's quite, a bit to, quite a bit to suddenly find out on your shoulders. Hey, you're going to be the next king. Okay, uh, he's then is brought in to minister to Saul because he's a worshiper. He plays the harp. Saul has lost the favor of God. Saul is being tormented by an evil spirit, and David is able to minister, able to worship, and bring Saul relief. Saul makes him an armor bearer, and says, "So Saul already knows David before this happens. David didn't just walk in off the street and say, yeah, 'I'm going to fight the giant.' Saul, Saul already had he already had a position in Saul's." Uh, administration. He was an armor bearer, a servant position. So David, David comes and he sees, chapter 17, he comes in, he sees, he's looking and uh, here's this massive person defying God, threatening, uh, challenging God, challenging Israel. David's like, kind of looking around like, what, what's going on? Like, why, how dare he? 
How, how dare he come up and, and have you have you ever felt that? Have you ever been praying to somebody, praying over someone, and just you just get mad at what the enemy's doing to them? Like, how dare the enemy come against this person? I, you just get in, in indignation and, and anger over it, and you're just like, how dare the enemy do this? That kind of boils up in David. He's looking at it, and going, "This isn't right." And this, how dare he defy it? I'll just take care of myself. <laughs> God can do that. God can use me to bring us deliverance. And that's the first point for today: is to realize that. You can be that person that God can use to de- help deliver somebody else. It's it's very tempting in our modern church society to kind of think, okay, what, what can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? And I really feel like it, it seems like God's really calling this church to be people that think about, well, how can I help the other person? How can I how can I do how can I be used by God to help somebody else? And that's that's a wonderful thing to be. To have God moving on you for. So, what does David do now? David's got now. This is so he's got this. Uh, he he knows that he's gonna he's gonna take care of this giant. Now, here comes here comes the interesting part. Well, what's he do next? Does he run out on the battlefield? Hey, God called me to go do it. I'm gonna go do it. He goes to the king first. He goes before King Saul, and there's a whole conversation with him and King Saul. And that's the second. That's the the next thing that we need to be mindful of. We need to operate under authority. It's very important when we're stepping out and doing something for God that it's operating under authority. It's following the leadership. David goes to goes to Saul, and just before that, his brother, David's oldest brother has some words with David. And when you start to step out and minister to others, there's going to be some, there's, there's chances are there's going to be some a voice of doubt that's going to come. It may be internally, maybe from someone externally. Somewhere there's going to say something like, no, you can't do that. No, you're not. First thing the brother brings up, criticizes his character, you're conceited, you're proud, you're arrogant. Reminds him that he's a shepherd. Hey, who'd you leave the sheep with? We can read over that. And, well, maybe he was worried about his... Uh, we, we can look at that and think, maybe he was worried about his family's flock. That's, that's an insult. It's a jab. It's a, you're just a shepherd. You, you, can't, you can't be used for this. You can't do this. You notice David, I, I, I love here, David's not discouraged he also is not really, he doesn't hold offense. Doesn't, this, this is not a stumbling block to him. He just replies to him and says, you know, at least let me speak. And then moves on. You don't hear any mention of him holding a grudge or this ever bothering him again. Yeah, he hears the criticism. He moves on. He goes before King Saul. And the first thing Saul tells him, no, you're not able to do this. And what do we what do we do if we go to somebody we're excited about? So we know we know what we're, we feel is calling us. We're going to go go do this. And we go to somebody and they say no. How often do we in our our culture today? How often do we get offended? We get upset. We get like can't believe they told me no. I'm I'm going to storm out of here and I'm going to go do it anyway. Or I'm going to do or I'm going to be mad at them for. 
for a long time. So that, that tends to be our response. David never loses respect for Saul. And I, I'm concerned in our society we've lost the ability to respectfully disagree. And that's such an important skill. It's, authority is such a big deal in the Bible. Operating under authority, such a big deal throughout Scripture. And Saul tells him, no, you can't. David says, well, and David reasons with him. David explains, hey, here's my testimony. I faced a lion, and I faced a bear. And God handed them over to me, and this, this giant's no different. He'll just, God just hand him over to me too. His faith, his faith that what God has done in his personal life had prepared him for what he was going to do in ministry now. He was going to help deliver other people because God had delivered him his personal life. Two, in, two things he dealt with, lion and a bear. Very interesting that these two things are what he faced. Now, in where, where they were located and what there were lions and bears back then. Nowadays, you go to this region, not many lions and bears. The human population was so low back then. Animals had a lot more range that they covered. And the Bible constantly refers to lions and bears throughout the Old Testament being a problem. A lion is a precision hunter. Hits you where you're weak. Goes for the throat. A bear is more... Slash and smash. He's not. He's a lot more indiscriminate. Just just tears things up. And those are the kind of problems we face in our lives. There are those things that are very personal. It hits you where you're weak. And when God's able to give you deliverance, and God brings you brings a, a victory in that area, ooh, that's that's very meaningful. Because that's, a, that's something that was hitting you where you're weak. The bear may be something more that affected a group of people that you're a part of or affect it at your family, or something that wasn't really directed at you, but it still hurt you. We both, we both, we can all relate to both of those, I believe, on some level. And David saw God's work in delivering him. Interesting, though, there were lots of shepherds in Israel, and dealing with lions and bears, that was an occupational hazard. Everybody had to do that. Every shepherd had to do that. What, what was it with David that he, something about David caused him to have this great faith in God. What did he see that the other people didn't? He saw God working in his everyday life, in those problems that were part of what he did for a living. That was, that was part of his life. He was going to have those lions and bears. That's his problem. There are likely other, I, it doesn't tell us, but I, I, I kind of picture you know, Saul would have had flocks and would have had shepherds who watched those flocks. And there would have been all kinds of shepherds. There would have been other people around who had dealt with lions and bears who were thinking, that giant is not the same thing. <laughs> this is a totally different... He, he thinks that lion and that, his victory of that lion and that bear, uh, that's, a, that's a trained giant. That's a trained fighter. That's, that's different. In David's eyes, his faith in God, God delivered me. I, I, God delivered me from those two things. Why? Why would this be different? God's bigger than all the, the, bigger than any of this. Why? Why would this be different? So Saul is con, is is convinced. He he agrees. If if he had said no, David would have had to obey. 
David would have had to stand down. But he was faithful. He, but but God was working, and and David not getting offended, and David not rebelling against Saul or 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 getting upset here gave Saul the opportunity to hear from God and make the right decision. David's David's respect and submission is exactly what we what we need to do. Exactly what gave Saul this this opportunity and hearing David's testimony, hearing being realized, yeah, God is with this with this young man. I'm gonna. I'm going to send him out. Now Saul, with the best of intentions, tries to dress David in his own armor, which that was very, uh, it was a great honor. That was a, Saul's trying to be helpful. But uh, there's something, a couple things to note. David was not skilled with that equipment. That wasn't, that wasn't what God had developed in his life to be able to, to use. God had developed his his other skills. He had other skill sets that God had had worked on. Also, Saul Saul was a particularly tall fellow. He's described earlier on as being head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel. He, he was he was big himself. And I bring that up because it would be very interesting for uh, someone, it would be very interesting to be in that camp. I, I wonder what was said of, between the people in that camp saying, when's Saul going to deal with this giant? Because he's the closest thing we have to a giant. He's our warrior king. He's our, he, he's, he, he, they had, when they had called, when they'd asked Samuel and say, hey, give us a king, they asked for a warrior king. They asked for someone who's going to lead them out in battle. And God gives them this really tall guy, and you see this several times. They really are—they're really stuck on the idea that height is really significant. They are there uh, when Samuel comes to anoint David's sons. First thing he comments about David's oldest son: "Oh, look how tall he is. He'd, he'd make a great king." Really? But that—but they saw height as being very important. So when they wanted a king like the other nations around them, because the other nations, the, the, the nations around them didn't know God, they highly valued height. That's why Goliath was, probably why Goliath was selected at such a young age. Hey, this is going to be a big guy. Let's train him. Was they had this idea of height. And so they asked for a king, and God gives them King Saul, and he's head and shoulders taller than anyone else. And it would have been tempting to be in that camp and think, Shouldn't shouldn't Saul be handling this? Shouldn't he be doing something? Sometimes you might see a need and you think, why isn't somebody else doing something about that? Maybe maybe you're maybe that's something God's put on your heart to do to help with. You you might be the right person for the job. Oh, so and so is much more qualified. Okay, but maybe maybe God's putting it on your heart to do it. You can appreciate someone else's qualifications, but we I think we get tripped up sometimes thinking this person should be doing this or that or that. Why, why not you? Maybe you can step up and help, or at least help in that area. So so Saul puts his armor on David, and David says, I'm sorry, this is not going to work. Always respectful of Saul. Never, never disrespects Saul. Always honors Saul. But respectfully disagrees, says... I can't. I can't use this. He he goes out and and we know he's he has his his sling and his shepherd's staff. He confronts Goliath, and Goliath is furious. Like, 
this is insulting. And it, and it really is. It's, it was insulting to Goliath. He, what is he, he's calling on, I want you to send out your champion. Goliath may very well, he knew who Saul was. He may have been expecting Saul to come out. And here comes a shepherd boy with a shepherd's staff. And he's like, am I a, am I a dog? You're going to chase me with a stick? What, what are you, you going to do? Like, he's, got, he's got a shield and he's got a spear and he's got a sword that's and a javelin and he's got all this weaponry. I was a boy with a stick? Yeah, this is insulting. So Goliath is particularly upset and he curses David using his, his pagan gods. Again, another thing that Goliath was very closely associated with their pagan deities. The, the enemy that was oppressing them with fear. Demonic powers possibly. He, he's really pouring on. He's, I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds. And do. And Goliath just really lays out this boasting in himself. This is what I'm going to do to you. And David's response. Absolutely, absolutely love this. In verse 45 of chapter 17. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the enemies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole earth will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear. That the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Absolutely focused on God. Goliath absolutely boasting in self, David boasting in God. And realizing that this was an opportunity for people to know this, that this whole battle was about other people recognizing that there was a God in Israel. There was a God who was going to save them, rescue them for the, the fear, the oppression that they were under. David's perspective on it totally different than, than Goliath. Goliath had no idea what was going on. Goliath, Goliath was already beat as soon as he defied God. He just didn't know it yet. So the, David comes so... We know David was victorious. He uses his sling, takes Goliath down, goes over, grabs Goliath's sword... Just to clarify, we, we picture a lot of times, or it's easy for us to we picture like a medieval sword. Like a lot of our ideas of armor and weapons come from medieval things. Very very different back then. And you know, what they call a sword was like a big one-handed knife, what we would call it. Now, now Goliath's one-handed sword might have been a two-handed sword for anybody else. He's so big. Um, it's described as a sword like no other, so... Could have been. So David hits him with the sling, takes him down, goes, gets his sword, cuts off Goliath's head, which I do not remember from Veggie Tales at all, showing that far. None, none of the none of the Sunday school thing lessons I ever had 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 a decapitation. That's just not. We don't include that, but that it's in the Bible. Uh, so he he's defeated Goliath. And I want to point out the three points that brought uh, highlight the three points that brought him here. First, recognizing that he that he could do it, that God could work through him to do it. Secondly, going under authority, 
operating under authority, submitting to authority even when even when the authority disagreed with him, he could have been offended. He could have been, I mean, picture yourself in David's position. He's already been anointed the next king. He could say, well, I don't care what Saul thinks. I'm going to just go do what God's called me to do, which uh, many of us might, have been, might be tempted like that. We could say, well, I, look what God's done in my life. I don't need to listen to this person. And David doesn't operate like that. He operates under authority. And thirdly, he had his focus totally on God. This battle is the Lord's. It's about people knowing God. It's not about boasting about what I'm, what about me versus Goliath. It's not about self. It's not about. It's not even about the people that he's trying. Uh, we we also need to watch out. We can we can get our eyes on the giant and, and lose heart. We can get eyes on ourselves and miss out. We can get eyes on the people we're trying to minister to and end up being. And that can distract us from what God. Is calling us to do. We have to. We really need to stay focused on God and realize that this is about people knowing God. So now, what, what about us? So yeah, we have this. We have these things. We have we have this account. What does it mean to us? This is account. I believe any all of us can relate to something in our lives. Some lion, some bear, some personal thing, something that affected us, or a group around us, something that God's brought us some victory in. Maybe it's depression, an addiction, um, fear, all, all kinds of things that God has given us victory over. And God wants us to be able to reach out to people, to other people, and he can move through us, help them. Maybe we can, help, maybe we can talk to somebody else who's dealing with depression because God's given us victory in there. Maybe it can be something something else. Something in our lives that we've had this experience and I, God gave me victory over this and I believe he can give you victory. I believe he can rescue you too. So the the interesting thing that com- that comes we come to a point now of saying, "Hey, this is great. God can use me." I do need to operate under authority. I do need to stay focused on God. And and I had a question in this this message. And let me tell you a little bit about how how this message came about. This this is something that I've been pondering, and Tracy and I were trying to figure out this morning how long I've been. This has been something almost a year ago that God started kind of unfolding, started kind of. And you you have to be. Sensitive to timing, because if you, I know many of us have experienced this, God gives you something, you're really excited about it, and you share it kind of when you know, you know it's not really quite the right time, and it just falls flat. It's just, oh, okay. But when it's the right timing, uh, and, and I, I've been pondering this for a while, and God kept saying, nope, not, not the time yet. Just put, put it back on the shelf, it's not time yet. That, that's for, for in the future, for in the future. Not time yet, not time yet. And then here a couple of weeks ago, it was like, okay. Oh, uh, oh, now? They're like, yeah, yeah. It's time now. Oh, okay. That's, uh, so in, in trying to um, unravel this, bring this forward, you say, okay, well, well God, I need, a, I need a closing point. Uh, what do I close with? And uh, he gave me one. It wasn't what I was expecting. 
And the, the fourth point is be wary of the rewards that you get in the natural from people when, you, when God's using you. David got a lot of rewards for killing Goliath. He got uh, wealth and fame. He got to marry Saul's daughter. He got Goliath's, he took Goliath's sword as a trophy. Hey, this is, this is great, right? Those, that all backfired on him. Every, every, pretty much every one of them. The wife, he got Saul's daughter, that's the one who cursed him for worshiping God and was struck barren, and you never hear about her again. Goliath's sword, he took that when he was fleeing from Saul. And the king of Gath recognized it, and David has to pretend he's insane to, to escape. The uh, fame and the, the people shouting, David's killed his ten thousands, and Saul's only killed his thousands. And that made Saul really upset, and David ended up having to flee. David went from his father's house, splitting his time between his father's house and his work as a shepherd, and serving in the king's palace under the king, to living in a cave because running from Saul's jealousy. All these rewards he got didn't turn out all that well. Now, and if he had had his eyes only on those rewards, he'd have probably been pretty discouraged. Probably been probably wanted to give up. As we step out and God starts using us to help minister to other people, there's going to be times where people are, and, and compliments are great, but people are going to give us compliments. Or people are going to, there will be some good feelings about self. But if we get stuck on those good feelings, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to mess up. We're going to derail. Because some some of those natural rewards, those are very fickle. People's opinions is very, are very fickle. They'll change People compliment you one day and curse you the next. I mean, you cannot count on cannot count on people people's opinions. You really have to. We have to stay focused on God. We have to stay uh, focused on uh, what He's doing and not get caught up even on on the rewards of being used by Him. Can't can't get stuck on those. That's the, that's the point God gave him. I'm kind of looking at that. Uh, I was like, oh, that's not quite what I had in mind. I had not really thought about that before. How, how, what happened with those rewards that David got? Didn't turn out very well. A lot of them backfired. Now, I want to take an opportunity for us, and I, and I, I hope this wasn't too brief, but <laughs> this is kind of close to the, the end of word that I have for, for you today, and it really has been on my heart for a long time. I really think God's got wonderful things for this church and this, this body of believers. You, you guys are uh, you know, a family to, uh, church family to me that I appreciate so much, and it's exciting to think about God working through us to, to minister to other people who are, who are like the children of Israel, who are under some sort of oppression. Something that is making them so afraid. It was 40 days that Goliath was coming out there defying them. Send me somebody to fight. Defying them. And they were, they were terrified. They could not advance forward. They couldn't move forward. And there are people around us who are being oppressed by the enemy, cannot move forward. And we have some victory in our past that God's done in our personal life that we can, we can know, we can... Believe, yes, God can use me to minister to that person. I have something to offer to that to that person. 
Now, I would invite us, though, uh, to take some time to, to ask God. Think about, uh, ask God to bring those, uh, those opportunities to your attention. Because David didn't, David didn't go to the battle looking for a fight. <laughs> it, kinda, it, it, was, it can be something that kind of maybe catches us by a little bit of a surprise at times. But we want to be ready for that opportunity. We want to say, hey, that person's being oppressed. And, and I'm, I'm kind of upset by it. I'm going I'm to uh, uh, minister, and I know that God can work through me and help that person. So I, hopefully we could have a time of, of some, some prayer and just seeking God for what are those things in our life, that those opportunities, the people around us, who, who around us can we minister to and, and help deliver? So if I could turn this back over to... Praise the Lord. How many appreciate that word? Man. <laughs> I guess the volume setting for me is a little different. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, that word that he preached, how many know that God wants to raise up this church? You know, what God is doing is he's raising up other people to do the work of the ministry. And uh, David is a real good example of um, a making of a person who can do ministry. And you say, well, man, you should do exactly what David does so you can be a better minister for us. And what God's doing in this last day is not just here, but God is raising up people to do the work of the ministry. And what you see with David is the making of a man of God. Worship team, if you could come on up here. Uh, stand on your feet if everybody would. Um, God is making his people ministers. He's making us do the work of the ministry. He's raising up warriors to do the work of the ministry. And if you look at David's life, what he's talking about today is David is learning how to be a minister. And that's what God is doing to us Not just me, he's doing it to us. And God is raising people up. He's equipping people to do what David did. And when you look at the making of a man of God, you look at the making of David as a great warrior for God, it's not what you expect. It's, I mean, totally not what you expect. Because David, one real good study that you can do with David is, look at every psalm that he wrote and when he wrote it. Match up the Psalms that he wrote and what part of his life he wrote it. And something really unusual happened with David when he was in the caves. And it's the favorite part of mine of his life. Like Jason said, David had um, uh, been anointed king, but he really wasn't ready to do what God called him to do as far as delivering the children of Israel. Um, God raised him up to defeat Goliath, and you say, wow. He's ready. But David wasn't ready. David had victories in his personal life. David had a victory over Goliath. David had the anointing of God. But we still have to have the making of a man of God. And so David, with his Saul's spear, um, he had Saul's sword on his hip. And like I said, he was a target. How many have ever been the target of of everybody? He was the target of the Philistines because he had the sword of Goliath. He was the target of Saul because he had the anointing of God. 
And church, I just want you to know we're going through training to be used of God to deliver the people that are around us through the Spirit of God. And so this message is very timely. You say, well, man, I don't know. The pastor wasn't preaching. Could it possibly be for us? we got to get out of that mindset. How many know that? How many know that God is raising us up? And if we keep thinking like we've always thought, God can't raise people up. And so God is using your things that you've been through. You say, well, I've been through some hard things and I went through them. I'm done. You're not done. He brought you through those things like he brought David through those things because he had a plan and a purpose to reach the world around us. We went through those things to be the man and the woman of God that God's called us to be. And God wants us to begin to let him raise us up and do what he wants to do in our life. He didn't just want us to go through trials. He wanted us to be raised up to do the work of the ministry. He's equipped us. He's empowered us. He's strengthened us. You went through some things because God wants to use you. You say, well, where's he going to use me? Well, what have you been through? (laughs) What have you been through? There's a world out there that's going through what you've been through. And God's looking for a few people that have enough anointing to say, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. There's not a giant that can stand in your way. Let me show you how to have victory. So if you would, let's just enter in and ask God. Say, God, take away all the old mindsets. God's calling you to be David. God's calling men and women to preach. How many know that? God's calling men and women in this church to preach. And you say, well, this message is nothing. This message is your call is what it is. This message is your call from God that God is raising up men and women to preach. God's raising up teachers. God's raising up ministers. God's raising up people to show people how to kill giants. You say, well, where's that? I don't see that in the Bible. How many know that the people that came to David when he was in the cave and he only had God to trust were a bunch of people that were financially in debt. They were a bunch of people that were oppressed. They were a bunch of nobodies that nobody wanted. And for some reason... They all gathered together with David in the cave. Let me know this. They gathered with David. They were the nobodies. They were called the nobodies. They were called the ones that nobody wanted, the ones who were oppressed, the ones who were in financial debt. They were kicked out. They were society didn't even want them. And they came out of that cave. David came out of that cave, had no reason to trust God. But David found out in that cave, I could trust God with everything. And in the middle of the worst time of David's life, he came out of that cave. For some reason, he was dancing and celebrating God and knew that God had this. And how many know that group that was around David became his mighty men? There never been a fighting band that were greater than David's mighty men. But they were nobodies when he went in that cave. Praise the Lord. Do you hear what God's saying to this church? He's raising us up. You say, well, I don't know. I don't want that. I want you, we paid you to be that. Church, God's trying to change the way we think. Amen. We're trying to make me that because I'm not going to be that. All right? God's trying to raise this church up. He's trying to raise up people with the anointing. He's trying to raise up a thousand Davids through his spirit. But let's really go after God. Let's really seek God here. Um, you know, I'm long, long-winded. Jason has given us time to really get in the presence of God. It's perfect timing. 
wish I had this time. I mean, wish I had this time. <laughs> Hallelujah. You get to, <laughs> praise the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, that's why we're here. We're here to strengthen you, to build you up, to edify you. If you're going through something, we're here to pray with you. We're here to agree with you. We're here to believe with you. If you haven't ever given your heart to the Lord, that's what we're here for. We're here to pray with you and get you right with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you need prayer, let's let, let's utilize this altar up here. This all this carpet's so clean up here. Let's utilize this altar. Hallelujah. I uh, I have no doubt that that word is from God. And uh, as we're praying and worshiping here. Uh, come to my mind uh, a word God's given me for a while and that same thing was throughout that whole that whole scripture there throughout all of 1 Samuel 17 it constantly refers to the army as the army of Saul the army of Saul until David himself calls it the army of the living God David proclaims he is part of the army of the living God When when we're serving a man's army we're no good they couldn't do anything because they thought it was Saul's duty to do it all. Like Jason kept pointing out, they they thought Saul should be doing it. But when David said, you're defying the army of the living God, everything changed. He was in the army of God. Right? We have a leader. We have a great leader, Pastor Chad, but we can't follow him. We submit to his authority and we go along with what God's doing in him, but it ain't God. It, he's not our God. He's not the person we're serving. We're serving the Lord with the oversight of Him. God uses Him to give us oversight, but we are serving the Lord. And when we're stepping out into into these battles God's calling us to, if we remember we're serving God, it's a lot different than remembering that, man, if I get in a bind, i got Pastor Chad to pull me out of it. Sometimes we get caught serving a man and we forget that we got to serve the army of the living God. So, uh, just I don't know where you're at in that, but if you're not at a place where you feel like you're truly just serving God and you're part of that army in your everyday life as, as a soldier for the Lord, I do, I, I invite you to pray. You can come up here. We'll leave you alone. You can come up here and pray at the altar, pray at your seat, whatever, but we need to make sure who we're serving. We need to be serving the army, living God. Sometimes we're our own, our own uh, army. We have to be in that right army, so... Praise the Lord. All altars are open. Um, we're going to uh, close in a word of prayer. But um, how many know that uh, Black Friday was this last couple of days, and uh, and they have what's called closing hours. You know, they they're going to shut it down. You can't shop anymore. You can't spend any more money. But how many know that we're never closed? You know, you say, well, man, I missed my opportunity. The altar closed. We don't do that. Hallelujah. If you're going through something, you know, call myself, call one of the elders, call somebody in this church. I mean, you know, in your family, in your family, just imagine what it was like when David walked in to that battle. And the giant looked like he couldn't be defeated. But just imagine the confidence that David had in God when he just walked in and just casually said, How dare he? How did it make the people around feel that David had such confidence in God? 
And I'm telling you right now, you say, man, Chad, I wish you were a part of my family. See, God called you to be David for your family. God wants to have people in your family that aren't afraid to stand up to the enemy. That aren't afraid to run the enemy off. That aren't afraid to stand against the work of the enemy. My voice is changing. I'm sorry. I'm at that age. God is calling us to be the David in our family. God wants somebody to walk in and say, you don't have to be afraid. God can handle this. God can do this. God can take this. How many know we need one of those in every family? And God wants us to be that person. And so let's uh, let's just pray. And God, I, you know, the church is kind of like a... Uh, Jason, I appreciate that word today. The church is like a... How many have ever seen a stained glass? And the Spirit of God begins to flow through this church. And i got to be honest, I get tired of hearing my voice every week. Let me get tired of hearing my voice. You can raise your hand. <laughs> You're afraid I'm on Mark Yard. But the Spirit of God flows through this church. And how many know that every person has a different personality? And I never fail when Jason teaches or preaches to learn a lot that I didn't know. And so every personality has a different reflection when that light flows through them. And that's what God's church is supposed to be. Let me know that. The Spirit of God is going to flow through everybody because, you know, people respond to different personalities. How many know that? And so God intended the church to flow with the Spirit to flow through every member of His church to edify this body. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I pray your blessing upon your people, Lord. Father, you've raised up mighty warriors in this church, Lord God. Father, you place them in families, Lord God, where the enemy has bound, Lord God. The enemy has, has um, destroyed, Lord. The enemy has done mighty work in these families, Lord. Lord, we see the destruction of the enemy everywhere. We see the taunting enemy saying that he can't be defeated, Lord God. Father, I pray your anointing upon this church, Lord God, to go into their families, Lord God, to be prayer warriors, Lord God, to be people of action, to be people that aren't afraid of the enemy, Lord God, for people that can be used of you, Lord God, in every situation of life, Lord God, at work, at home, pour your spirit upon your people, Lord. Lord, we ask that you bless them as they go on the way, Lord God. Keep your hand upon them, Lord. In your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Take a little time to fellowship this morning. Hallelujah.